all ye, uh, my friends, it's so good to see you. Um, the NBA is back. Austin was right. Now, I'll be honest, though. Uh, I have not watched a single game, all right? Uh, I'm not actually a huge NBA fan. I was when Jordan was playing back in the day. I'm a Bulls fan, but I... I uh, I couldn't help but know that it was on because Austin can't shut up about it. Like, dude, can't stop talking about the NBA. And I'm just like, yo, man, like, don't nobody care, all right? They playing in the bubbles, these little times. But he loves the NBA, all right? And that started, kind of got me thinking a little bit. Like, well, how do the dudes, like, how do they stay in basketball-ready shape all the time? Like, like, I mean, they had a layoff for quite a while, and they got to get back into the gym. And then some of it, I was like, it's probably like some natural, natural talent, right? I mean, you look at like LeBron and Luca and Lillard or KD and Kyrie and Curry. And those cats obviously have like a God-given physical and mental ability to play ball that like the average cat like you and I just doesn't have. But I realized it's not simply a God-given gift. They also have to practice the basics, the fundamentals, the foundation all the time. Like they're out there practicing. In fact, I read an article that Steph Curry literally takes 300 shots per day after practice. So dude has an entire practice. And then he still shoots another 300 shots. On times when they're not in season, they said he actually shoots 500 shots on average per day. Now, this is one of the like, most basic things that a basketball player can do, right? Shooting shots. But the basics, even though they're rarely flashy, they always provide foundation, a foundation to effectiveness. The basics are rarely flashy, but they're always foundational to effectiveness. Uh, you know what a soccer player does? They practice dribbling and shooting, right? You know what a basketball player, or excuse me, a baseball player works on? They, they work on catching and hitting. You know what gardeners do? They plant and they prune. Runners run. Swim or swim, Christians fear God and keep his commandments. Christians fear God and keep his commands. Fear and follow. Let's take a look at the end of Ecclesiastes together. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Uh, I will admit, it's, it had been a while since I had spent time in Ecclesiastes. And I, I, for some reason, thought Ecclesiastes was like a pretty, sh I mean, 12 chapters is pretty short in the, you know, realm of Bible books, but I thought it was like three or four chapters. Because I was like, the boy, what's he talking about? It's like the same thing over and over again. Like, I tried this, it was meaningless. I did this, it was meaningless. I went after that, it was meaningless. And he just like keeps over and over coming up with these things that are meaningless. And I'm like, it took him all the way to 12 chapters before he finally got to his conclusion. Read with me, starting in verse 9, the conclusion to Ecclesiastes. He says, not only was the teacher wise, but 
he also imparted knowledge to the people. Now remember, almost this entire time, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes has actually just been quoting the teacher or basically allowing the teacher to speak to us. All the things that the teacher has tried, all the things that the teacher has learned, (laughs) most of the time it all comes back to meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now we have the author kind of concluding everything that the teacher has taught us, and he says that he imparted all these uh, wise words, this knowledge, Uh, to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise. Now, at this point, he's talking about Ecclesiastes, but he's talking about all of the wisdom literature from Israel. So this is our Psalms and our Proverbs and our Song of Songs. He says, the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Now you're like, what's a goad? All right, not a gourd. All right, those are those things that grow and then they dry out and you shake them, right? That's not what he's saying. He's talking about a goad, all right? We don't have goads. We don't play with goads. A goad is literally a stick that's got some nails stuck through the end of it, all right? Like, that's what a goad is. And shepherds actually used to use these goads. They were a long stick with pointy nails on the end, and they would use them to kind of tap the sheep when they, the sheep were getting out of line, especially when the sheep were in a dangerous place. Uh, when the sheep were in a dangerous place, like on the edge of a cliff, the shepherd would make sure to tap them. He wasn't like smacking them, all right? Not like he was like embedding nails. in the, He's tapping them to give them a little, ooh, little poke, little, let them know, hey, don't go that way. And the author says, look, the words of the teacher, the wise sayings, they're like goads. They're a way to kind of tap us and get our attention so that we don't fall off the edge of a cliff, so that we stay away from the things that are dangerous. He said, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, if I was in high school, that would be a verse I would memorize. I'm just saying, like, y'all need, like, much study wearies the body. Look, you need to quote that to your teachers. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, we get to verse 13. He says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and follow God. Uh, This is the foundation. The foundation of wisdom, the foundation of a a, a successful life, an effective life. It's, It's the beginning of Proverbs. It's the end of Ecclesiastes. Fear God and follow him. Now, uh, I started thinking about Ecclesiastes and and realizing that it was 12 chapters. And I thought about, like, why did homeboy have to get to the very end of 12 whole chapters before? Like, why did he just give that to us up front? Why didn't he just let us know, like, right off the bat, yo, like, here's the conclusion. Fear God and follow his commands. Well, I think part of it's because life is hard. Uh, And life is nuanced. And as the great trio of theologians, DC Talk, once said, some people got to learn the hard way. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, he wanted us to understand that he wasn't different from the rest of us. He wasn't special. 
Yes, he had wisdom, but he tried everything. He went down every path. He sought out this thing and that thing. He tried to look for this for fulfillment and that for meaning, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly stuff. He's like, yo, I tried it all, and now I want to explain to you that when I tried it, this is what I found. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. So let me, he finally says, give you what it's all about. The teacher wants us to know that he's been there, that he's done that, right? Now, I get that uh, maybe in our culture, right, it's going to be a little different. Our context might be a little bit different. Maybe your experiences are going to be a little bit different than his. But the truth is, if you run the program a billion times over, you're still going to come back with the same result. I like to think that I'm special. And I am. I'm unique. I'm creating the image of God. Like, there is all of that. But the truth is, is I'm not really any different. I can run after all the things that the teacher ran after. Try this and try that. Look for it in this and look for it in that. And at the end of the day, I'm going to find the same thing. I can't control it. I can't change the past and I can't control the future. I don't get to decide what things are going to look like. What God has called me to do is to fear him and to keep his commands. And when we do that, the teacher says that's actually the ethic of enjoyment. You want to have a good life, an effective life, a successful life, a life that you can enjoy in the moment and look back on and say that was a good life. He says, fear God and keep his commands. Can I be honest, though? Like this whole week, I was struggling. I didn't want to teach this passage. Uh, it's super basic. It doesn't feel uplifting. It's not like super encouraging. And the truth is, I'm kind of tired. And I'm, and I'm tired of being tired, and I'm even more tired of telling people that I'm tired. You feel that way? Like, we're all tired. Man, there was more stuff that came down. We've had like kind of a little bit of a, a bump up in COVID, during the month of July, after seeing it kind of phase out, there's nothing worse than thinking something's finally like getting better and then it starts to get worse. And, and then that caused some, you know, differences in what we can do as individuals, in the community. As a pastor, I'm always asking, like, man, what are we supposed to be doing as a church? How do we care for one another? How do we care for our neighbors? How do we love our neighbor? Like, this is hard stuff, man, and I'm tired. But I've been tired. Like, we're like five plus months into this. You guys are tired. And you know what we're all sick of is hearing everybody talk about how tired they are. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to talk about this, God. I don't want to talk about this particular message. It's too basic. Like, God, I don't want something like some, give me, let me give some chocolate to the people. You know what I'm saying? Like something sweet, something that's going to uplift us, something that's going to encourage us. I miss you guys, too. Like a lot. Um, it's August, August 2. And in August, that's often when uh, we start seeing more faces again, right? June, July, we're all on vacation, checking out what the beautiful areas in Michigan, like that's a great thing, it's a wonderful thing. August, people start coming back, especially uh, parents that got kids getting ready for school, like this is when it starts to happen. And, and September, like I'm always geeked about September, because September, like, we got new faces showing up, and 
Like there's stuff to do and people to hang out. Like people are back and, 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 and you feel this momentum, right? I do. <laughs> I get excited about it. And I feel like all that is gone, honestly. Our, our, our September is not, not going to be like a normal church calendar kickoff September. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like exactly. Uh, we're going to go week by week through August, but I miss folks. And you're here, and you know it's not the same. I'm glad that we can gather. I actually think that there's something really beautiful and powerful about gathering. I need it. Theologically, like mentally, I knew that I needed it, okay? It's what I do. I'm a pastor. But I'll tell you that after a few months of literally not being able to meet together, it became like painfully aware how much I needed it. And I love that we're back together, but man, it's not the same. We know that. I mean, what makes the gathering so great is being able to hug old friends and make new friends and laughing over coffee and creating like this holy roar during community time, right? When folks are walking around and high-fiving and it's so loud in here because everybody's like talking and meeting new folks. And like, we know that that's not the same. And we all miss that. And if you're watching us online, you need to know I miss you so much. It's been hard. Uh, I feel like for a lot of us, like I used to catch up with you every week or two. And then early March, like you just disappeared. And I know you haven't gone anywhere and I haven't gone anywhere, but it's not the same. And, and this is like frustrating, which is why I wanted to give you some chocolate this morning, which is why I wanted to give you something uplifting and, and exciting. I didn't simply want to give a, a basic lesson from the Bible, so I told God that. <laughs> I, I was like, God, I don't want to teach this. He's like, it's the last message in the series. I'm like, yeah, that's fine, and it's all good and everything. I know it's your word, but I want something like cooler. Give me something exciting. So I started asking him. I was like, God, can you give me like a new angle? Like, give me a new hook. Give me something that I can bring out. It's going to be like, woo, and people get excited and feel encouraged. And he's like, no. I'm um, serious. And so I went back and forth with him a little bit, like, come on, you got to do something better than that. And he's like, no, because it's the basics, Torn, that allow you to know me. It's the basics, Torn, that allow you to lead an effective, successful life. It's the basics, Torn, that allow you to live a life that you can look back on and enjoy and be grateful for. It's not always the flash. Uh, I, I had the privilege of taking uh, students when I was a youth pastor to Poland for a, uh, an international uh, missions trip, short-term trip. And one of the highlights of that trip was uh, at the end of our time working at the camp that we worked at, uh, we used to get to go to Krakow for our debrief time. And about 45 minutes outside of Krakow is Auschwitz. And so I, uh, I was able to visit Auschwitz the Nazi concentration camp, uh, a number of times. And one of the stories that I remember hearing uh, when I was there is that when um, all these camps uh, in Poland and throughout Europe were beginning to be liberated, uh, the Russians and the Americans that were liberating uh, these camps uh, would come in and they would find people so unbelievably emaciated due to the starvation and, and the work um, that they were just overcome with emotion and compassion. They would, they would give them whatever food they had. And, and most of the time, it was like a hard candy and chocolate that they were carrying with them. 
And so they would give these, uh, these individuals their, their chocolate. And they would eat it, and they found that a number of these folks who had managed to survive through that horrific experience actually wound up dying within a couple of days because their bodies couldn't handle that kind of food. I, uh, I wanted to give you chocolate today, but God said he wanted to give you bread. He wanted to give you a, a meal that you could digest in this time. And it's maybe not uh, super exciting to say, fear God and keep his commands. But I did begin to realize that it wasn't just for you, it was actually for me too. Um, I needed this. Now, now, don't get me wrong, I love me some chocolate, all right? God does too, chocolate's actually his idea. However, uh, sometimes we just need to be reminded that the key to successful living, like regardless of the circumstances, will always be determined by the basics. Fear God, follow God. Now, uh, if, if that's going to be the meal that God wants to give us today, we have to understand uh, what it actually means to fear God and follow him. So I want to start off and, and just do two things with the few minutes that we have remaining. Uh, I want to talk about what it means to fear God. And I want to do that by giving you two analogies. And it's probably going to be best if you actually close your eyes to consider these analogies together. The first analogy that I think helps us understand what it means to fear God is to imagine walking up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Uh, the Grand Canyon is immense, and it's beautiful, and it's scary when you get to the edge because there is no fence around that bad boy. Like You can just walk right up to a cliff, and you look over, and it's wild, and it's dangerous, but it's also inviting you in. It's inviting you to explore its majesty. It welcomes you. And you feel so grateful to be there, but at the same time, you feel so small compared to it. That's one analogy that I think helps us begin to understand what it means to fear God. Uh, the second analogy is that of a lion or a bear or a great white shark. I want you to imagine being in their presence on their territory. I want you to see the shadow swimming beneath your feet. I want you to feel the breath of that grizzly on the back of your neck. I want you to hear the roar of the lion that's right in front of you. It's humbling. It's scary. And in that moment, you realize how unimpressive you are and how powerful it is, right? Let's go ahead and begin to come back with me here, you can open your eyes. That, I think, is the beginning of understanding what it means to have the fear of God. It's a recognition of God's power, of His vastness, of His greatness. And it also helps us recognize our lack of these things. It's a recognition that He's in control and that we're not. As much as we love the illusion that we are in control because somehow we got money, COVID has showed us that we are not actually in control. And it doesn't matter if you live in the jungles of South America or the cities of Europe or somewhere in the East or the West, we all find ourselves not 
in control. doesn't matter how much money you've got in your bank account or don't have in your bank account. The kind of house that you live in, what color your dirt is outside your house, none of us are in control. And what that does is it causes us, when we understand the fear of God, to fall on our face before him. And at the same time, it draws us deeper and deeper towards him. When I've been to the Grand Canyon, it's like scary, A, because I'm afraid of heights, but there's also something about it that just invites you in. You want to gaze at it. You want to be near it. You want to explore it. God is the same way. I've never seen a grizzly face-to-face except for in a zoo. I've never seen a great white face-to-face. I have been really close to lions, but in a lion park. Even got to pet a little cub. So cute. It wasn't at Tiger King. Okay, it wasn't there. But when you're in the presence of something that big and powerful that is wild and you can't control it, it all of a sudden reminds you that I'm not that big and I'm not that powerful. And that's exactly what happens when we're in the presence of God and we rightfully understand. Now, that's what it means to fear God. In the last couple of moments, I'd like to talk just briefly about what it looks like to then actually understand how to keep his commands. Fear and follow. So uh, what I'd like to do, though, is actually start off just simply by recognizing um, that the only way that we're ever going to be able to keep his commands is by the gift of faith. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. In fact, I actually put it in my uh, planner, uh, my, my calendar this last week, to pray every day just for you and for me for the gift of faith. Um, if you don't believe that God is who he said he is, uh, you'll never care about following his commands. Like, why would you? I wouldn't. But if God is who he says he is, then understanding that following his commands is actually in my best interest. It's in everybody's best interest. And so what I want us to do right now, whether you're a follower of Christ or you're still checking out this whole Jesus thing, is I simply want us to pray a prayer if you're willing. Super simple prayer. It's going to be up on the screen. It's simply this. God, give me the gift of faith to believe. And so if that's you, if you're online, if you're right in here right now, that's what I want you to do. I just want you to take just a second and close your eyes. And if you're willing, Ask God for that gift. God says that the gift of faith is something that he gives. And I think it's one of the prayers that God loves to answer for anybody who prays and means it. So right now, just take a second, and if you're willing, do that. Now, when God begins to give us the gift of faith, what it does is it starts to draw our hearts towards him. We believe that he is who he said he is. And we begin to believe that what he has spoken to us about who he is and what he wants for our lives, those commandments that he's asking us to follow, we actually start to slowly but surely see our hearts move towards them. Like we want to know what God's like, what he's about, what he says, right? God wants us to trust that he's God and that he's good. And that the Bible, when we properly understand it, actually is in our best interest and for the rest of the world to actually follow. So the only way, though, to learn God's word is to read it and study it 
and memorize it. Look, if somebody told you that if you become a Christian, following Jesus is just like this cool thing. Just pray a little prayer and you're all good and everything's going to be cool and it's not a whole lot of work. They lied to you because following Jesus is work, like hard work, all right? You, you, you can't just simply like get a membership to a gym and think all of a sudden you're going to get some muscles. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to go in, you got to put in the work. You can't get a membership and, and never show up and think that stuff's going to happen. It, it won't. And the same thing is true for us. You got to read it and study it. You got to memorize it. You got to meditate on it. You got to ruminate over it and cultivate with it and illuminate others about it. Culminate with your head straight and get a clean prostate. It's probably one rhyme too far. Probably. I, come on, guys. I worked on that line the whole week. Y'all didn't even. Come on now. Dang. Look, it's true, though. All right? If you want to know God, you got to know his word. And if you want to know his word, you got to spend time in it. You got to memorize pieces of it and you got to meditate on it you got to ruminate over it let it kind of sink in you want to cultivate your life with it you want to illuminate talk to others about it and that will culminate with a straightness in your life a way to enjoy it now I'm not going to promise you the clean prostate but who knows you know what I'm saying you get the point so here's my question how have you been doing with that lately If I'm being honest, I have not been doing that great. Me personally. Uh, I was actually talking to my mentor um, about this this past week. And uh, we were just talking about the frustrations of, of just COVID and how I feel like everything in my life, nothing feels like it's like stable and settled. Everything feels like it's kind of moving. And just about the time you feel like you're starting to like get into a new normal, something shifts and I got kids, and so schools are starting back, and we're thinking about what that's going to look like for our family, and half of them are going part of the time, and the other half are going all the time, and depending upon where you're at, some of them are going no time and doing everything online, and it's a, it's a mix, and so all these different things, uh, work continues to change for so many people, when are you going back, how much are you going back, how much can you do online, what's that going to look like, school, if you're in college, What's the fall going to look like? Schools are doing so many things different, and everything feels just kind of unsettled, right? And we've all been feeling this, and it's been like five months of this. And we're talking about it, and, and I realized life is still happening. I just found out about uh, a guy who goes to our church. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he, he found out that he has cancer. He's married with a four-month-old and a, and a two-year-old. He's got another young family who's three-year-old daughter is working through leukemia treatment. Life is still happening. The difficulties and hardships of life are still happening, and, and, and they're happening now in the midst of COVID, and it's just like, ugh, relationship difficulties, dealing with racism, systemic oppression, the violence that's all around us. We've got stupid, crazy political distrust. You can't have just a genuine, normal conversation with somebody who disagrees with you. At least that's what it feels like today, doesn't it? And then you add in our failures, the mistakes. All this stuff just starts to add up, right? There's stuff that we bring with us, and there's stuff that gets brought to us. And we realize that we're not the ones that are actually in control what are we going to do about it? 
That was actually the question that my mentor said to me. <laughs> He's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Because I'm there whining to him. Ah, I'm so sick of this. Well, what are you going to do about it? Ah, my spiritual life doesn't feel like it's as consistent as it, as it used to be. Well, what are you going to do about it? And usually he'll ask me this question and he'll ask me like one time. And then like he just kind of lets me work it out. But this time he didn't. This time he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, ah, you know, I feel like I probably need to like memorize some scripture again because that that's definitely helpful when I do it. But I haven't been really working on that lady. He's like, all right, so what are you going to memorize? Like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh. So then I came up with something. He's like, all right, well, when are you, gonna, when are you going to work on memorizing that passage? Uh. So I had to come up with a plan. And so we kind of walked down this road. And that's what I want to say to you today. This is what we're going to end with. Uh, for me, uh, I decided um, I was going to get back to memorizing Psalm 23. I'd kind of memorized it when we were going through our series, and I found it so helpful, and I was like, I need to get back to that. So I'm like, all right, that's what I'm going to memorize. What are you going to do? I want to give you three potentials. Memorize Psalm 23 with me. And, and if you don't want to do that, that's fine. That's cool. Find something else to memorize and talk to your significant other or your roommates, or your friends, or your small group, and say, hey, let's do this together. Why? Because it will help keep you accountable, and it will help you think about it. Some of y'all are sitting next to your significant other right now, and you're like, oh, crap, do I got to say something to them? Yes! <laughs> now, maybe it's not that, though. Maybe it's not. Maybe, like, I just need to get back into the Word. All right, do the proverb of the day. Today's August 2. Today, read Proverbs 2. Tomorrow, on August 3, read Proverbs 3. All right, August has 31 days, right? I never get those right. I think it does. Proverbs has 31 chapters. Perfect. Fantastic. Go ahead and read the proverb. That, if you're like, you know what? I, I need something a little bit more than that. Not necessarily like more length, but like, hey, I've done that before. I want to dive in and I just need some help. All right, download the YouVersion app. That's the Bible app, okay? It's free. There's all kinds of great things on there. There's devotionals, things like that. But one of the things that I love about it is they actually have plans. So they're devotional plans, but they also have reading plans. You can read through the Bible in a year. You can read through the Bible in less time than that, in more time than that. Find a plan that works for you. Load that bad boy on there, and every morning, that's what you got. For me, I'm memorizing Psalm 23 again, and I'm meditating on it, and I'm doing that in the morning over my first cup of coffee, and I'm trying to do it before I pick up my phone. Because usually the first thing I do when I wake up is pick up my phone. And I'm trying to not do that. What is God calling you to? Look, he wants us to fear God himself, wants us to fear him, and he wants us to follow him. And I know it's a basic morning. But I also know that the basics are often the things that lead to, not often, they're always the things that lead to an effective life. Look, Ecclesiastes reminds us that with God there is mystery. It's actually the reason that it's such a critical book in our Bibles. We can't understand everything that God is doing. We don't understand the ways that he works all the time. And yes, that can be frustrating. But it also reminds us that God is who he is and we can trust him in the midst of that. It reminds us that though we might not know everything, God has given us everything that we need to be able to fear him and follow him. And when we dive into his word more and more, we find that that is the place of fulfillment and enjoyment, everything that our hearts actually desire. Let's be a church that isn't afraid of the basics. 
because that's where life is found. Jesus, let us not just talk about it. Let me not just talk about it. God, let us get back into this because in the midst of all this COVID and uncertainty, God, it just feels like sometimes we're drifting. I know I feel that way. But God, I don't want to drift. God, I want to be anchored in you. Grow my understanding of what it means to fear you and grow my willingness to live into that space. God, grow my understanding of your word that I might follow you. And God, grow my willingness to live into that space for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your kindness. Thank you that you are sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the room you are sitting in is the throne room of grace. That no matter where we've been, God, or where we go, we can always find you there. Your grace is sufficient. Give us the faith to believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.